Welcome to the Voice of Business podcast. I am Steve Cox, joined as always with my co-host Nick Smith. And Nick, we're we're back at our sponsor, PodcastVideos.com. I, right. I guess we didn't right. we didn't do such a bad job the last time we recorded that they, they let us come back, right? Yeah, I, I think it was the fangirling we had at the, the beginning of the podcast in general that probably sold them on us. You know, the oohs and ahs that lasted that, that's for a true. Solid, but like, it is a minutes. fantastic setup, and this is just a temporary <laughs> setup. It's only going to get better here exactly. in, a, in a few weeks when they get their permanent space. So we appreciate that their sponsorship of the Voice of Business podcast and everything that they're doing to help us just kind of grow our audience and, you know, help us. Uh, the point of this podcast is to just get the message of the chamber out there as well as just trying to reach a younger generation um, because that's where that that's where you young folk are getting all your news and stuff. It's, it's, all, it's all about the pods, right? <laughs> All about the pods. You just aged yourself. I know. Like I know. And I say young folks that. like you're not like four years younger than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Steve. All Thanks. right. Well, what is our topic today and who, who do we have joining us on the podcast today? Sure thing. So today we are actually talking about Hispanic Heritage Month. We're going to go into all the details about that, but it's a, a huge event, obviously, for the United States, and we'll, we'll go over the reasons why here shortly. But we have two fantastic guests that you've actually heard before on this podcast. We're bringing them back the SVP of Community Engagement and Inclusion, Giovanni Sarmiento. Yeah. The Rogers Lowell Chamber and the uh, newly promoted Community Engagement and Inclusion Manager, Meredith Alvarez from the Rogers Lowell Chamber, is also here joining us. Uh, Both of them are here uh, graciously joining us in this wonderful new space. I think they are just as happy as we are to not be upstairs in the heat and humidity of the old area. Active construction zone right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something about, you know, wanting to enjoy their time on set as opposed to sweat through it is. Something I think we really should be appreciative of. So thank you both for being here. We can't wait to get into the questions and go from there. Uh, first and foremost, our usual NWA in the news, conversations from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Springdale Family is reopening longtime restaurant, AQ Chicken House, for those in northwest Arkansas. New location, or, though. That's right. It is a new location, but uh, yeah, they said essentially it's a staple. It needs to come back. So it's pretty exciting news, especially if you live in Springdale for that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll go back to Springdale for those folks that are excited for it, but I'm not going to say we won't try to push for you know another staple to be here in Rogers. Uh, the Chamber Small Business Survey is live. Make sure you reach out to Steve or go to rogerslowell.com to take it today. We actually have a slider up uh, as well as a bunch of information on our uh, small business pages to talk about that small business uh, survey. Uh, it's up. We're using it to gather intel on the state of business in our area, so please, we encourage you guys to go take a look at that. Leadership Benton County is accepting applications through October 20th, so be sure to apply to be a part of the 2024 class. And then also, one of the last things that I thought was kind of poignant that we had it today, Per the latest economic reports, the Latino poverty rate has hit its lowest mark ever in Arkansas at 20.4% of Arkansas Hispanics living below the poverty line uh, compared to years past. When we look at uh, years past, the Hispanic line has actually been a little bit higher than uh, some of the other ones, and we're actually starting to see that gap even out just a little bit. So, that's good. Um, the, yeah, that's the numbers, That's right. Since uh, the last time that number was reported last year, it's actually gone down almost two full percentage points. Uh, so it's pretty neat to actually see that, and uh, we can get into the reasons why that's really important here in just a second. But uh, first, I'm going to toss it back to you, Steve, to do our more in-depth Hispanic Heritage Month introduction. Well, as you said, we're talking about Hispanic Heritage Month. You know, it uh, started in September, runs through October 15th, and so um, always good to just highlight because the Hispanic community in Northwest Arkansas just plays such a vital role, um, not just in employment, but also just the the businesses. The my, my son's favorite restaurant is Mojitos, so you know we're, we're there all the time. <laughs> 
time. Um, so it's, it's always good, just the, the, the vital role that they play within our economy. But Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, typically uh, in throughout the region, the Hispanic and the Latino groups make up about 10% of the population. In Rogers, that's actually about 37%, so one in three. Um, in the school districts, it's uh, we're now a minority-majority school district um, here in, in the city of Rogers. So, you know, we have a very large Hispanic population here. It's the fastest-growing population segment nationally and is projected to be a plurality of the population by 2050. So that's coming up, and that's going to be here sooner than you realize. Right oh, yeah. around, you know, we'll be a million people by that point, So, which, which is great here in northwest Arkansas. Oh, yeah. But um, while the, the, the rate, the poverty rate, as you mentioned, is decreasing, it is still on the higher end but comparatively to other races within the, within the nation. And if not addressed, the U.S. economy could be hurt in the next decade. So it's very important that we uh, recognize and celebrate this community and provide as much support as we possibly can uh, here. So as we said, you know, there's roughly 37.4 million people of Mexican origin in the United States. It's represented nearly 60% of the na- nation's Hispanic population in 2022. But Hispanic is more than just Mexican. There's a lot of other cultures, a lot of other countries that, that identify as Hispanic. Giovanni, you are uh, Ecuadorian. Right. So, yeah. So, um, you know, we had this conversation, you know, offline uh, earlier just talking about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, Puerto Rican, the people in the Caribbean. So there's a large, large, uh, large, large group of, of Hispanic. Hispanic population just around the globe uh, in order for that. So six other Hispanic origin groups have reached over a million people in the United States, El Salvadorians, Cubans, Dominicans, Guatemalans, Colombians, and Hondurans. And in 2022, Spaniards accounted for nearly one million people uh, in in America as well. Venezuelan is the fastest growing group. And the U.S. Census officially recognizes 28 total people groups that are recognized uh, in the Hispanic, uh, Hispanic origin side. So lastly, just some quick facts. National Hispanic Heritage Month celebrated September 15th to October 15th. It is uh, held, celebrates the histories, cultures, contributions of American citizens whose ancestors are from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, Central and South America, as we said. It started in 1968 under uh, President Lyndon Johnson with Hispanic Heritage Week. President Reagan in 1988 uh, encouraged or opened that up and expanded it to become Hispanic Heritage Month, which was signed into law August 17th of 1988. So those are Perfect. some quick, quick fun facts that I definitely didn't just now read. I totally knew all of those before. We totally have cameras now, so you can't get away with that. So, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to cover in there. Uh, One of the biggest things that I wanted to really kind of talk about when I was researching this was just how much uh, Hispanic heritage there is. You were talking about the fact that the U.S. Census Bureau talks about uh, and records 28 different heritage groups uh, that all fall under that Hispanic uh, umbrella. But that, uh, especially in researching this, when you look at those 28 groups, there are so many other subgroups that as many as like 280-something subgroups and subcultures mm-hmm. all exist under that one umbrella. And too often, I feel like, when this discussion comes up nationally, you know, it's it's immediately people just think like Mexican. And right. So I think it's important, especially for our guests, to kind of talk a little bit more about where they're coming from when they, they view this and, and things like that. So as someone who is Hispanic and being from two different generations, so Gio, you've got the uh, the Gen X kind of perspective on things like this, and Meredith is actually coming from Gen Z or Melinda? Yep. Gen Z, okay. So uh, how do you view Hispanic Heritage Month? So Gio, let's start with you, and then we'll flip it over to... Uh, Meredith here. Uh, I'm just shocked you almost asked a lady her age live on camera. <laughs> That's why I stuck with generations there. Uh, you know, I figured I was okay as long as it was a two decade span there, there that you I was go. allowed there to, you go. to talk about. So, with everything that has been said, you know, I just want to say that um, all of us that, you know, are bilingual, 
uh, doesn't matter if it is Eng I mean English, Spanish or English, Portuguese, um, and many other languages that are spoken on the Caribbean islands. You know, we all identified as Hispanic, mm -hmm. um, and and that's our pride and joy. Uh, when I talk about my kids, for example, um, I'm raising them with that part of of my inheritance in my culture, right? Mm -hmm. And to identify uh, as as Hispanic uh, children. So. So it's more than 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 the pride, of course, right? Um, it's our language, it's our culture, um, and that's where the difference start coming up. Because specifically for me, being from Ecuador, right? Uh, there's different different dishes, different food that we eat, you know, and uh, we consider all of those to be delicious, um, and that's our pride, right? Mm -hmm. um, but also the cultural uh, representation with our traditional dances in things that we do that are a little different than things that are being done in Mexico or in Guatemala or in Salvador. Um, so, so that's what makes every country unique, right? But the one thing that, that we all share is our heritage. And for us there down in South America, uh, you know, we come from uh, the our ancestors, ancestors are, are the Incas and, and that plays a huge role on who we are and, and of course, that was uh, after the Hispanic colonization, um, uh, mixed races, uh, all of us have, you know, uh, in our lineage, you know, uh, native, native. Uh, a lot of branching uh, out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and then, and then the, <laughs> the Spanish blood on us, right? So, so all of that uh, plays a key role mm -hmm. on, on who we are and, and what we are. Uh, for example, in Ecuador, we have different uh, regions and even within in Ecuador, you know, we're very competitive between the regions. And and like like here in the U.S., right? Uh, you have Texans making fun of people from Tennessee and things like that. <laughs> and <laughs> everybody making fun of people from Texas. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so we we have the same thing going on, right? And and that's that's within one country. And then you have because of political. Uh, sometimes even sports-related uh, um, rivalries that we start cheering for our home team, and especially in soccer, you see a lot um, going on. You know where where we hate our neighbors, not not literally. I mean, it's just how many emails are you going to get for calling <laughs> soccer? That, that's my question. Yeah, right. Yeah, now. I was about to say so, something on that. Yeah. So so that's where it, you know all these these things start playing. Uh, you know, so for example, when Ecuador plays in the World Cup and we have to uh, eliminate each other with Peru, for example, that has been our, our rival from, from, the, from the minute the country, uh, Ecuador became a country, uh, Peru, Peru has been our, 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 our Your you rival. Know, rival. Uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so that's, uh, that's where everything it plays like that way in sports and in, in, in economic growth and everything else. We're very competitive in comparing to the other countries. And that's the same thing that I see now that I have so many uh, friends from uh, Mexico and Meredith can talk more about this, right? It's the same rivalry between Mexico and Guatemala and Salvador and all the Central American countries, right? Uh, who's, who has the more uh, economic power? Who has the better soccer team? Who has the better uh, this and that, right? The better uh, beautiful beaches and all that stuff. So <laughs> uh, so we we love to talk about that. We love to share our culture through the food, like I said in the beginning. That's another thing that Ecuadorians, uh, Colombians, and Peruvians, uh, we all think that we have the best ceviche. 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, uh, but that's the opportunity that you have to go and explore and, and taste and, and make your own decision, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I've for been, sure. I've been lucky to to try all of them. Um, and one is better than the other. I mean, it's, it's so. Who's the best ceviche? Is where, where we're going with it? <laughs> well, I, I being Ecuadorian, you know, I'll be I'll be, I'll be, I'll be shot to death in Ecuador if I don't say Ecuador has the best ceviche. So we're, we're okay. Yeah, we're he gonna, don't want to get one of those emails from his mom. That's right. <laughs> we're going to save you here real quick and toss it back yeah. over to Meredith. So Meredith, you have uh, again, you're from the younger generation uh, and have a completely different perspective when it comes to cultural upbringing and heritage and all that. So what, where do you sit in terms of like how you view the Hispanic Heritage Month and how you're uh, talking with folks around it and, and things like that? I would say I view it as a time to educate and celebrate. So we're celebrating our pride and our culture. And like we said, we're Hispanic, we're not all Mexican. So we all have a different culture. We have different foods, we have different um, dress codes, we have just a variety of different things. So I think that's something that we need to show everyone and make sure everyone knows to distinguish. Yeah. And so a lot of people don't know the difference between Latino and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. So I think, especially during my, in my generation, I feel like people don't know and they'll just refer, like my friends. Right. Friends that aren't Hispanic, they'll be like, Oh yeah, like aren't you all Mexican? Like, no, we are not all Mexican. <laughs> I was like, we're all Hispanic. That's like, aren't you aren't you all French? Like you're white, you have to be, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so I just think it's important to educate others on that and tell them the difference. And how do then, you how do you explain that to your friends? Like what what's do you have like an, in layman's terms? Because I know if we try to like throw out ceviche, half of them probably can't say it. So like, you know, <laughs> if you're trying to explain that to them, how do you I would say Latinos are people who are from Latin America and then Hispanics are those people that speak Spanish. Essentially, that, that, that's what it comes there you down go. to. Yeah. Put that on a card, just hand it to people. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. And then so for the part of educating also, um, how I view it, I think it's nice seeing people that I look that look like me in the community now. So I don't have to translate for my parents. Mm -hmm. They obviously can now have translators when they call to pay their bills or when they go to the medical office. I'm not like a five-year-old. You'll see those memes like, oh, yeah, remember when you would have to translate for your parents and you had no idea what the paper said. So mm -hmm. you're like Googling everything. It's a joke, but it's seriously, we did That's have a to very do real thing. Yeah, yeah no, no, absolutely. I, and so it's nice that they have those resources now and it's nice that they're, like you guys said previously, there's people studying and there's more jobs for bilingual people and so i think that helps a lot how did your folks react like the first time that stuff started like really becoming mainstream you know with folks picking up the uh spanish translators at, at not just you know stores or whatnot but like you said with the uh, you know call centers and and folks in the city trying to help banking out, like, i remember at arvest mm -hmm. having to you know have a translator a lot oh yeah and we well, a and large we have, hispanic population uh, banco c that's uh, mm -hmm. uh opened up here in rogers as well like what do you remember like your folks reacting to that? I mean, was it? I think like, yeah. first time press two on the phone to, to get Spanish. Like. Yeah. No, I think it makes them feel so much more comfortable because they actually can ask the questions they want to ask. Because I feel like sometimes when there's that language barrier, you don't know and you're too scared to ask. Like, what if they don't know or it's going to take hours for them to find someone that can speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, so they would just stay quiet. And I think they feel more, much more comfortable now. That's Perfect. great. And so I'm, a, I'm, this is an assumption. Um, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I'm assuming Spanish was what was spoken in your home and you learned English like through school or was mm -hmm. it? So Spanish was 
when I was small, like toddler, let's say, I would know a couple of Spanish words. And so I did learn English in school. Uh -huh. But I actually didn't want to learn Spanish. Really? Fun fact. <laughs> so um, what ended up happening was when we would go to Mexico, I'd be like, how do I tell my grandma this? How do I tell her that? And my mom's like, I'm not going to tell you. Like, you're going to figure it out. Okay. So and English so, was your main language mm -hmm. in, in the house, too. I actually okay. learned how to write it, speak it, and read it through Facebook. Because my mom opened a Facebook account so I could text my grandma. Fascinating. And then oh. I actually ended up getting a five on my AP exam for Spanish. So <laughs> I am go. completely fluent now. <laughs> I would there say so. Go. Yes. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that is not something I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Meta, you cannot pick that up as a <laughs> as a, uh, an approval of everything you're doing. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> One case study does not, yes, yeah. uh, you know, benefit make. But no, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I love that. So when you look at um, the the month of Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, we want to talk about stories like that as much as possible because I think it really is important for folks to realize uh, just how much um, different cultures and subgroups appreciate, uh, I guess, mutual adoption of different things, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, commentary that you hear about um, – from folks who, you know, if you immigrate here, we want you to absorb into the culture and this, that, and the other. I think uh, Hispanic Heritage Month highlighting stuff like that where it's a, a mutual understanding and a mutual benefit will benefit us in the long run when you look at things like, again, the plurality of population that's going to be Hispanic and Spanish-speaking when we're talking about, like, economic development and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's a massive economic driver. And if you don't adopt those kinds of policies, we're not going to be able to continue doing business. You're going to see... On a national scale, I mean, if you have 40-plus percent of your population not engaged uh, yeah. economically, it's going to impact things, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I think stories like that really do kind of bring it on home, right? You've got these folks who have come here. They're doing fantastic stuff. You've got their kids are learning through Facebook, of all places, how to speak <laughs> different languages. That's, that, that's the kind of stuff I think people really don't realize when it comes to uh, – uh, immigrants and other cultures adapting to living here, and yeah. it, it's just fascinating to me. I love that. Yeah. So, just just talking about that, right? Then you can start seeing how important it is to have the representation. Mm -hmm. uh, starting from you know from the federal uh, level, we have the uh, Hispanic uh, Congressional Caucus. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing a fantastic a fantastic job representing the needs of the uh, growing Hispanic community. But then when you look at locally what's happening here, uh, we already have people that are being elected, people that are being put in positions of power. Uh, so, for example, uh, we have great examples in the school district. We have Mr. Martinez, um, that is right now the pr uh, principal, uh, and then Dr. Hernandez, another principal at uh, New Tech High School, uh, and other people that are in the line to, to basically uh, come uh, after them. So. So there's a lot of progress going being made done, and um, and the representation matters, right? Um, oh yeah. I remember years ago when we started with the police department, trying to make sure that uh, we have representation in the police force, and look how after many years of, of working so hard, uh, now we have that representation, and and it has alleviated a lot of the tension, a lot of the things that um, you know were not working out. So so all of that we have to celebrate, right? Mm -hmm. That's what this month is about, and. And I think uh, more than ever, I have seen so many things in the community, so many people jumping on board to celebrate uh, Hispanic uh, Heritage uh, Month. And, and there are festivals everywhere. Every community almost has their own uh, version of their own festivals. 
in in parties everywhere, in in meetings, in recognitions, and and now even in the state we had the first time ever that we had the the Hispanic uh, Latino Awards, mm-hmm. um, and that was something that was celebrated uh, across the board. Right? Yeah, and so all of those things we have moved so so far, um, and now we're getting our own space, are getting our own recognition. Uh, for the contributions of, of great um, leaders in our community. But also, uh, in turn, it turns into what uh, Meredith was sharing, is you know, how everyday life people uh, are feeling how you know, their needs are, uh, are being met. They don't have to um, go out of their way to try to understand uh, you know, what I'm signing here. Uh, when I call someone, uh, I know that someone's going to speak Spanish to me. Mm-hmm. So, so those things make a, a, a complete difference. And I invite anyone that is listening to this to continue doing the same thing and trying to uh, change the ways that you see your community. As you see, as you see, the community keeps growing, right? And we have a great example. Uh, Mary did, you know, uh, she's bilingual. Uh, English was her first language. Thanks, Grandma. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but she also is, uh, speaks fluently in Spanish, right? And that makes her so much more valuable. And, um, and she can go into any, any organization, any company, and, and be able to flip a, either one of those, right? And use either one of those and connect at a much personal level with anyone that wants to connect with her. So, so that's the superpower that she has. I think the... Uh important thing you said there was the getting to celebrate the accomplishments of that community and making it public. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, a, a, a solitary thing like internally. I mean, we're trying to make as many of these things public because it allows for the community to come together and, and collectively celebrate, right? So when we see uh, folks who are, are getting those promotions and helping to bridge the gaps between generations, between different speaking groups and this, that, and the other, I think that's where you really find a lot of important steps being made and that progress that really kind of gets cemented in is you see all of those steps being taken to bring all these folks together and celebrate it. And through who doesn't like a celebration, right? So you bring Mm -hmm. all the the celebratory moments out. You get folks to buy into it that way. It's not a matter of uh, uh, folks getting one over on one another or anything like that. It's, It's that collective rising tide raises all ships kind of thing, right? And the more we do those collective celebrations, the more I feel like you're going to see acceptance and public policies that are beneficial of everyone. And, and you bring in all of that extra just development and, and good vibes in general that will help kind of bring everything together. It's it's very important, I think, that we have those kinds of deals. So that that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning on this uh, with the Hispanic Heritage Month uh, overall celebration is just making sure it's a celebration, right? Exactly. Like it's not yeah. just a, you know... Uh, Here's some history about Venezuela. You know, like yeah. it's we're we're actually bringing in those things there without specifics like ceviche. But you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, having those kinds of conversations. I think is the really important aspect of it. No, absolutely, and I, I think um, as well. I mean, Giovanni kind of touched on this earlier, talking about representation, and uh, you know, I'm just curious, like Meredith. You know, growing up watching TV and you know seeing things. Obviously, you have you know the the Spanish speaking channels, but you're starting to see more and more mainstream now, where it's mm-hmm. getting away from those stereotypes of a day laborer or you know like a, a gangbanger, you know, in LA or things like that. How important was that for you growing up to see people with your skin color, you know, being portrayed positively uh, yeah, in the media no. and on TV? It was it was very important, and so 
actually I grew up so my sister's a journalist and my dad's really into the news so all I would watch was Univision 24-7 because it was like the only Spanish speaking <laughs> right, thing right. on TV and so it's nice that now we can all watch Netflix and it lets you choose a language so yes mm-hmm. I can click Spanish and they'll understand and like you said um, actually watched a video the other day I can't remember the actress's name but she was talking about that how when she first started her acting career it was like, oh, you're like the pregnant gangbanger's wife or something. Right. And now you actually have chances to be like the main character in movies or um, the best friend. Or like you have a, a good, um, what's it called? A good presentation. Like right. That. Yeah. Okay, so getting away from those just all only yeah. negative stereotypes. That's mm-hmm. all you see. Then it's like, hey, what, what's, what's going on? <laughs> and there's a variety. Right. Yeah. Like I feel like especially if you go back to movies in the 60s and 70s, it was like the only Hispanic parts that were out there were Puerto Ricans. You yes, know, like it exactly. was that was it. And then for a while in the 90s, it was just Mexican. Like, yeah. and it didn't matter what your nationality was. Like if you were a Hispanic actor, it was like, well, here's the part we got. You got the Puerto Rican or this guy, maybe a Cuban every now and then, you know, and that was yeah. about it. Scarface with Al Pacino and a yeah. guy playing a Cuban. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you're right. Now you've got all this extra representation to a point where like, you know, I'm a huge Marvel fan. The the uh, Spider-Verse movie that came out earlier this year, they have Miles and his mom uh, speak Spanish and they didn't translate it on screen. There was nope. no subtitles, no captions or anything like that. And they, the directors implicitly said they did that to just be like that's how they would be at at home and if you're just watching that conversation there's no like subtitles that pop up at the bottom of it no uh kids who speak spanish or growing up in that environment their families are going to love that especially since it wasn't like it was some easter egg it was a poignant moment between a mother and a son in the movie Mm -hmm. that will react uh allow you to react more authentically as an audience member if you're watching that than if you have captions that pop up underneath it. And you, you see that now popping up even more so. Again, with that representation just really kind of hammering home the emotions that are there and, and things like that. And yeah, with Netflix, I think that's a whole other dimension too, when you get the the ability to just switch languages. And it's not just subtitles and captions, like it's actually uh, voiceover that they've done on different movies and things. And you know, it, it's so funny when you Think back to, I remember when folks would complain if they tried to do something like that. And then, what was it, two years ago, one of the most popular things that was out was Squid Game. And the entire thing for English-speaking audiences was dubbed VO. Right. No one complained about that <laughs> one bit. And so I just want to be like, double standards yeah, yeah, exactly, here, guys. Like, exactly. And well, so, people yeah. don't realize, like, 10% of the world's population speaks English. Ninety yeah. percent speak another language, so you know it's 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 you got. I, I know it's the national language of America. You know that's what we, what we speak. But at the same time, it's we have a we're a melting pot, and we have so many different nationalities. The largest of which is Hispanic um, and Spanish speaking. So you know that's that that's a that's a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But that's important because you know um, when you see people uh, getting influenced by um, by all the media, right? Uh, but you have. Uh, powerful people speaking out and saying, you know, if, if you dream it, you can achieve it, right? Mm-hmm. So you have people like Sofia Vergara uh, doing the things that she's doing and, um, and Jennifer Lopez, you know, uh, where she came from and where she's at now and, and leading a multi-million dollar organization mm-hmm. with her brand. Um, I, I think AOC in Congress. And AOC like in Congress. Being, being elected, yeah. And, uh, and uh, Judge uh, Sotomayor in the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. So you see a lot of people that are uh, leading the way and in, in opening all these doors and being amazing role models for uh, many people in our community. And I see the transformation because um, when, now that I had an opportunity to go to California and I was seeing 
you know, what, what they've been, in, especially the poor neighborhoods and what they've been influenced by. And, and that's not happening here in Northwest Arkansas. You know, since we are an entrepreneurial uh, region, it was based on entrepreneurship, um, and we continue to, to think that way. I see the positive impact of all of these amazing leaders that are having in, in how people act and, and behave. For well, sure. And that kind of transitioned in, into the next question. You talked about, you know, the, the impact that they're having on the business community with y'all's role here within the chamber, specifically doing minority business outreach. And, you know, the, the largest segment of that is, is Hispanic and Latino. How vital do you think that is? I mean, again, about 37% of our population in Rogers uh, is Spanish speaking. So, you know, what? Why, why is it so important that we're able to celebrate this month and then have your roles specifically, as well as getting down even into the schools with, with getting that next-gen leadership? Yeah. So for me, it's very important to understand that, you know, the little, the little things that I have done to make our community better, to make sure that our voices are, are being heard, that we have representation, because when I started this, this work and when I first moved to, to this region, uh, I didn't see that. Um, and, and basically there was no, no representation. There was no, not many people that spoke Spanish in different uh, companies and, and services that we were using. So all of that made me think that, you know, we, we need to do something. And I challenge everyone that's listening. You know, when, when you don't like something, when you see something that, um, that it needs to be changed or, uh, or done differently, uh, take the ownership, right? That's the only way that you're going to change it. Um, don't wait for someone. I, I hear a lot of Hispanic people say, no, someone has to do this. And um, <laughs> you hear a lot of white people say that. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you're that someone. I mean, just use your power. You, Thank use, you for volunteering. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it has to be that way, right? Um, and you have to take ownership. If you want this community to change and, and change for the better and create opportunities for all, uh, you, you have to think that way. That's the only way that, that things are going to start changing the way that you, that you want to see it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mary, did you have something yeah. to add? I think in my role at the chamber, so I was at the front desk. I'm still there for right now. But um, just that when they walk in and they see a familiar face, mm -hmm. I feel like you can see the relief on their face. Like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to try <laughs> to translate this. And so they feel comfortable asking questions. And like, for example, a lot of the time they're wanting a business license and mm -hmm. to try to tell them and try to explain what the chamber is in English to them. They're going to be so confused. So for me, being able to tell them, like, no, they're next door. This is what you can do. Yeah. This is what you actually have to do. And then they're just like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Like, you actually understand what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. So I think that plays a big role. And then also, like, answering the phones in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Katie said they used to have to go find Giovanni, hunt him down, or when someone <laughs> walked in the door and they didn't yep. know. So I think it's it's a good thing that I was able to help them. You're able to help the double amount of people that you would if you only spoke one language. So that really helps. And even like sometimes there's new students for like our scholarships and they'll come right. in and they they only have one year living here in Rogers and their primary language is Spanish. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's broken English and you're just like, I can talk to you in Spanish if you need me to and I can explain it. And so that always helps. So just throughout the whole community, not even at my job. And it's nice seeing like people my age that are now teachers and they have familiar faces because... Mm -hmm. I was explaining to Katie, like, sometimes I think of stuff first in Spanish instead of English. Yeah. Or, like, she'll be like, do you know what this is? And I'll be like, I have no idea what that is. And she explains it to me. I was like, I knew what that was, but in Spanish. Right. And I was like, I had no idea that's what <laughs> it was called in English. So I yeah. think just 
having someone that you can relate to that looks like you that speaks the same language as you helps a lot in the community well, uh, as, as you know, the lead program specifically, which is a leadership development program geared towards it's open for everybody, but geared towards uh, minority students within within the high schools. Um, how important is it to, for them to have somebody that can speak Spanish that looks, you know, that that has that Hispanic and Latino background um, to be able to show like, OK, turn it into a role model? I mean, Meredith, you're going to have kids looking up to you be like, oh, I can do that. You know, like yeah. what does what does that feel like? And Just I to, think it helps that I'm. Gen Z and so I feel like also the age and the fact that I'm Hispanic helps him out like mm -hmm. she looks like me She's around my age like I can also do it like you said Yeah, she was sitting in this chair four yeah. years ago or so you know, whatever I think it was that yeah. makes them more comfortable and I really well and I'm I sure really there's wish that I had that I'm sure there's <laughs> terminology too that you're going to know that no offense Gio, but you know You're not the tick-tocking uh, <laughs> type in the office, so I think it helps to have uh, Geo, Geo does salsa dancing. He doesn't do TikTok dancing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Having someone who understands, you know, younger uh, lingo and and kind of where they're coming from is probably really uh, imperative as we're trying to um, develop, like you said, the next generation of leaders. You mm -hmm. know, if, if you're trying to actively engage with those 16-year-olds, I, I just always go back to that Steve Buscemi uh, meme. Of <laughs> hello, the, fellow children. Hello, fellow young person. <laughs> you know, that's what we have with, with Geo. Like, we put the boom box over his head. Like, yeah, I've got this. We're good. So, um, so yeah. the, the difference that I see is um, when you look at the participants and they see that there's someone that is trying to uh, help improve their lives, right? Because yeah. usually... That's what happens when people take the, the lead program uh, very seriously. Um, I think the engagement happens. Uh, for them, it's very easy to understand now that um, we're genuine, that we're here to help them, that we're here to connect them with all the resources that they can possibly need. Um, and, and the level of engagement increases because now they're, they bought it. They're like, okay, you're not here just telling me what I should do, but you're actually helping me get there. The so, intentionality behind right, it, yeah. Right, so so that's why we had uh, these record numbers of um, participation and engagement and and people um, actually after they graduate. You know, I, I ran into some, some of the students already that graduated in, in, in a Walmart or somewhere, mm -hmm. and, and they approached me and they're like, remember me? I was in the lead program. I'm like, yeah, I do. And, and then they start <laughs> telling me what they're doing. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, they're like, you know, I'm doing all of these things, and, and, and you you actually, you were talking the truth. <laughs> so You're welcome. Yeah. But, but it, that's the thing is, is, you know, it's not about us. It's, it's about their success. And, and I'm, I, I will never be tired to hear those stories and, and, to, and to continue helping them because as they keep growing, they, they have their needs, you know, change, and they need to be connected with XYZ uh, company and, and if we can open those doors, you know, we will. That's that's, mm -hmm. that's what uh, servant leadership is about. For sure. As uh, we close to uh, come to a close, I want to ask one last question real quick. Uh, with y'all's position within the chamber, how does your Hispanic heritage play into your roles as well as your work with members of the community and business and NWA? And uh, I'd also like to just add an addendum to that. Both of you have kids. How did that play into... Uh, your Hispanic heritage, how did that play into how you brought them up, especially in North or are bringing them up in Northwest Arkansas? And uh, yeah, just what kind of stuff do you address, I guess, with them when it comes to their heritage? Um, so 
so to me, you know, it's very important for them to understand that um, we live in a in a community, and they have to be part of the community. Um, and there are things uh, like any other community, right? We can't we can't claim that we're perfect. Um, there are things that are challenging. And there are things that they're seeing that you know probably they won't like. Um, but but how you react to that is very important, right? Um, if if you're gonna get frustrated. Um, and and just stop at that and and don't try to make any change then we don't we don't advance right so so that's the most important message that i have for my kids is um if you don't if you don't like something say something uh, and and try to change it right somebody should fix this (laughs) 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 um and and in my lifetime, that's basically what I have done. Uh, that has gotten me into some trouble as well, uh, you know, for <laughs> good trouble, speaking though. too much. <laughs> good yes, trouble. Good yeah. trouble. Good trouble. But, uh, but that's the thing is, is you know, lead by example. Uh, you know, our kids are very important, right? I have a lot of parents also that are um, asking me for advice because their kids are, are probably not focusing on what they should be focusing on. And... And that's the first thing that I tell them is like, okay, tell me about yourself. You know, um, how are you showing uh, your kid the way? Mm-hmm. You know, and and start reflecting about you know what's happening in, in that dynamic at home, because I'm a true believer that the, the the education system is there for a purpose. You know, and and we have a great education system in in our region, and we should be very thankful for that. But but our our morals and our ethics. That, that comes from home. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that ultimately, those parents are responsible for how, how the kids are going to behave in, in society. So, so that's the, the number one thing is um, focus on your family, be the example, uh, and, and do the things that you want your kids to do, and then, then they, will, they will learn, right? Um, uh, I, of course, it's, it's a lot more difficult for some families because they're here, uh, first-time immigrants, they they have to they have to work i mean mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they work overtime or or they even pick up a second job because they they have to provide for the family and and i don't blame them they have to do what they have to do um when you look at those poverty rates right mm-hmm. yeah. people want to come out of that and they have to do what they have to do but but at the same time is don't forget about your family you yeah know, what's the most important thing for sure meredith what about you so going back to what joe was saying also, while listening to him, he sounded just like my dad. So, like, just what my dad would tell me. So, I'm going to talk about the impact that my parents had on me and the impact that I want to have on my son. So, I think growing up, I would always get home from school and I would just start ranting to them and being like, this happened at school and I can't believe that they didn't do this, they didn't do that. And then he's like, why don't you speak up? Like, yeah. you have that advantage that we don't have. Like, speak up, tell them what needs to be done, how you guys can work together and figure something out. Like, you, you have that advantage. And so I really like that he would always tell us that. And I'm still a quiet person, but I will speak up now if I don't like something. So I think that had a big impact in me. And I feel like I want to have that same impact on my son. But also being first generation, I feel like I'm I i will te- I'm teaching my son Spanish, mm-hmm. primarily Spanish. And when he gets to school, he's going to have to learn English. Yeah. It'll, it'll happen. And so that way he'll be bilingual. Like I said, he'll be able to reach the same twice as much people as someone that can only speak English, but also I'm really happy that I'll be able to help him with his homework mm-hmm. and show him how to read and write until we'll be taught math the same way. And so he'll have a resource and someone to look up to. And so I think that helps a lot because 
especially once you're applying to colleges, you're like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> like, I have no idea. I have to write an like essay about I'm me? I'm doing what? this yeah. all wrong. And so I don't have someone to like read my papers. I would always have to go to my English teacher or something mm. like, is this right? And sometimes I was like, oh my gosh, I am annoying them. <laughs> and they're like, no, don't feel like that. So just knowing that he'll have someone to look up to and ask questions to, and not just me, but like my whole family, like we all grew up here. And so that's nice that he'll have people to look look up to. Only comment I want to add is, is something that I think is really poignant from both of you um, is you both are talking about how in different ways you recognize there were holes, there were gaps in ways that you can uh, address certain things. And uh, Gio, it was with the lack of outreach to the Hispanic community in general. And now you're in a job that you're literally like the stopgap for that in a lot of ways. Um, I know that a lot of the Spanish speaking business owners and whatnot with the chamber the only reason that they have signed up and been so active is because of your position. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't have happened without you. Uh, from the same perspective, Meredith, when you look at everything that you're doing, both from what your folks taught you, and then now you're taking everything they taught you and adapting your own upbringing and how you're bringing up the next generation, uh, your kid's going to be balling when he gets into like, <laughs> yeah, you know, high school <laughs> and just uh, specifically what you just said there, being able to help with homework and being able to bridge that gap. Uh, you're the the generation that is coming from like the first time uh, first time immigrants like you were talking about, like you're but you're stepping into that and you're owning it and you're making sure that you carry forward just like uh, the generations before you did bringing all of that heritage with them. Both of those things, I think, are just fantastic to highlight that it's not resting on your laurels. Right. And I think, again, we need to celebrate the fact that you all are busting your butts to make all of this stuff happen and look as seamlessly effortless at times when it really is hard work to fill those holes. It's it's just phenomenal. And I can't thank you both enough for just being the awesome people that you are and the great parents that you are. and outstanding representatives of that Hispanic community. So seriously, thank you guys for everything that you're doing. Thank you both for being here today to educate Steve and I on this stuff. I learn so much every podcast. Like it's, it's fascinating. So it, it's awesome. Well, and you know, now that we have cameras, we really cannot hide the fact That's that true. we're about as pasty pale white guys. <laughs> yeah. So we really need to make sure that we, we bring in two very uh, wonderful examples of Hispanic heritage to help us out. Yes. And, and the big thing I learned today is that Giovanni's mom makes the best ceviche in the world. So that's the only thing. So. We're going to take that clip. We're going to post it out there. You'll be fine. Buddy. We'll, we'll get you taken care of. But yes, well, uh, Steve, I'll, I'll toss it back to you before doing our full official final closing. But again, just want to thank you both for being here. And and yeah, Steve. Ab absolutely. Thank you, guys. And the work that you all do. I mean, you're, you know, not just the outreach within the Hispanic business community, but also down into the school work. I mean, you, you are bringing about generational change and you are providing those kids with opportunities that they might have never had. Um, and so it's just it, it's great. It's fa fantastic and absolutely Love the work that you do. Meredith, you got some big shoes to fill. 
um, as, as Mariana did a really good job in that role. Um, but I think it's a goal of the chamber every time we fill a position is we try to make it better or try to make, hire someone that uh, is, is a step up from, from where we are. And I think you're going you're gonna to grow into this role and just absolutely crush it. I mean, you've been doing a great job already. You haven't even officially started yet, <laughs> but no, I have no doubt in my mind that you're just going to take that position to a whole nother level. And so it's, we're, we're very happy uh, for the opportunity. I remember when the position we were knew that it was Mariano was going to have to leave and you were and I went to Giovanni's like have you thought about Meredith for this role? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to Katie. I mean, I, we were all over. Like, yeah. like she would, she would be great for it. So, yeah. really, really, congratulations on the on the promotion, and uh, just know you're going to absolutely crush the crush the new role when when you get officially started here in a couple weeks. But um, a thank you to PodcastVideos.com for right. sponsoring the episode. I know I'm, I'm done. I'm done giving you a hard time, Nick. I'm I'm done doing it. We're going to have so. more and more folks, I think, who want to actively be a part of the podcast now when they see that it actually looks nice. <laughs> it, oh, it's, oh, the, the, and this is just the temporary space so once they exactly. get the new building it's gonna be in uh, just a whole new level we're absolutely so excited about it so if you have a podcast and want to take it to a new level if you're thinking about starting the podcast definitely reach out podcastvideos.com they can help you i mean it's we, we haven't touched a button no. today like it's fascinating like just we're, we just walk in ready to go we're it, it's just fantastic so and definitely it's, it's only gonna get bigger and better from here exactly got a great so, studio so space yeah so we're, we're plugging them hardcore because they just they do such a fantastic I, job i feel like i'm in a professional recording studio this is we a professional are. Recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like i'm getting my feelings hurt a little bit about how we have we're, this we're gonna before. have to when, when we get the new building when we get our studio back we're gonna have to really step up our games so. I, yeah i'm already waiting for the comp we're gonna have geo who's just gonna be blunt and be like why are we here yeah let's, yeah. let's go back uh, yeah i'm not cool with this <laughs> well uh yes definitely want to thank podcast videos for uh everything that they've been doing for us i also want to thank you all for listening make sure that you like subscribe and share via soundcloud spotify apple google youtube amazon all the social medias we'll be pushing this stuff out as best as we can our next episode is going to be on chamber appreciation which we're going to have a, a couple of special guests on that one as uh, october 18th i believe is chamber appreciation day yes yes so we're looking at that thank you again to giovanni sarmiento svp of community engagement and inclusion with the rogers old chamber as well as meredith alvarez the newly appointed community engagement and inclusion manager with the rogers old chamber for being here we really couldn't have done this show without you all thank you so so much uh yeah that's all we've got for for this week thank all right. you all and we'll see you next time you'll hear us next time